Hi everybody, I'm Hub, and this is Tighten Up the Defense, a podcast that would likely benefit from a tagline. I hope you're having a nice time this fine afternoon. I'm having a pretty good time myself. Oh, also, I'm assuming you're listening to this in the afternoon. I actually generally assume it's afternoon when I talk to people because it's kind of an amorphous phrase that can... It's always after noon. It's always after a noon. Even in the morning, it's afternoon yesterday. Man, that's some weak sauce on my part. I have gotten into the habit of always saying, have a good afternoon, because my theory is that nobody really has a good morning and that the nighttime takes care of itself. So from a triage approach to greetings, afternoon's the only one you can really do anything about. So good afternoon. Anyway, I hope you're having a nice afternoon. I'm doing pretty good. I tidied up my comic book room recently and I'm feeling a lot better better, a little bit saner just being in a space that's tidy. I know there's that book that's about the magic of cleaning up clutter. That's probably what the book's called, right? It's very popular right now. I was just about to talk about what that book's probably about, that book I haven't read that I don't know the title of, and I think that might be a familial trait. I remember that being something my grandfather said. There had been a a death in the family, and he sent out a letter that said, There's a book called Why Bad Things Happen to Good People. I haven't read this book, but here's what I think it's about, and here's why I think that's bullshit. And I always loved that. And it made me realize that I do a fair amount of that myself, and also that my grandfather, he was slightly active on the internet, but not to the degree that his thinking is just perfect for that. Like, if you read any Facebook article, it can pretty much be summed up by, okay, I haven't read this book, but here's what I assume it's about, and here's why that's wrong. Yeah, especially any comments thread. Man, my grandfather was made for that stuff. It's a shame he didn't fully participate. That was a little bit more rambly than even I'm used to. Hmm. At any rate, without any further ado, let's ado this. Today's synopsis rhyme is sent in by friend of the show Bradley Null. I've been listening from the start, and I've often feared this, but it's time to send a rhyme for the synopsis. Thanks, Bradley. New Teen Titans, number 7, May 1981. Assault on Titan's Tower. Written by Marv Wolfman, drotted by George Perez, with inks by Romeo Tangal. Teen Titan Roll Call. Kid Flash. Robin. Wonder Girl. Raven. Cyborg. Starfire. Beast Boy. It's weird, it's a new story arc. I don't have to do a previously on. It's kind of nice. Fresh from their bittersweet victory over Raven's shitty dad Trigon, the Titans are ready to head back to Earth. The Azerathians of the prog rock album cover that Raven grew up on teleport the triumphant teens back to New York. As they do, Beast Boy waggles his fingers and pretends that he's doing the teleporting, which is totally what I would do. Well played, Beast Boy. Might I also recommend doing the same thing whenever elevator doors close? Wally's looking pretty glum and announces to the rest of the gang that he needs to take some time off to babysit for Aqua Baby in Atlantis. Well, technically he says he needs to take some time off from the team because he's torn as to whether or not he still wants to be a Titan, but it amounts to the same thing. He runs back to his home in Blue Valley to figure some shit out. Bye, Wally. Meanwhile, in New Jersey, Dr. Light and the other members of the Fearsome Five, who, despite their name and despite the fact that they formed in 1982 New York, are a group of supervillains and not an old-school rap group, are looking to fill a roster spot. Since Trigon went ahead and non-lethally vaporized the team's telepath, Simon with a P, the name the Fearsome Five no longer really applies. And 
They really like that name. I would suggest they take a page from K.K. Rockwell's playbook and call themselves the Fearsome Five Minus One, but unfortunately, an alternate solution presents itself. Turns out that Simon is trapped in another dimension. He telepathically contacts his old running buddies and tells them that he'd sure like it if they'd give him a ride home. At first, the other FF members are like, fuck you, you mind-controlled us and we hate you. But then he says he's sorry and that Trigon was controlling him and blah blah blah, and then they're all like, okay, we'll break into the Titans headquarters to use some kind of dimensional rift-opening doodad to rescue you. Like I said, they're pretty committed to that name. Dr. Light probably had some jackets silk-screamed for them or something. The Fearsome Five Minus One, see, it just rolls off the tongue, bust into the mostly unoccupied Titan Tower and take the joint over. Why did I say mostly unoccupied? Because during the course of their invasion, the FFMO reveal the presence of the not entirely mysterious benefactor who built the tower for the heroic teens. More on him later. Soon thereafter, the Titans arrive home and notice a gizmo-sized hole in the front door. Weird. Raven pops in to investigate and is promptly KO'd by Dr. Light. She's able to send her soul self out to warn her buddies. Cyborg is about to jump through the door and into the fray, but is stopped at the last second by Wonder Girl. Turns out the door was booby-trapped. Starfire diffuses the bomb by blowing up the whole door, and the team piles in through the gaping hole in the wall. Cyborg accesses the building's blueprints, and the gang plans their titular Assault on Titan's Tower. The plan seems to consist mostly of wandering blindly through the building and attacking anyone they run into. Good thing they found those blueprints. Meanwhile, in a different part of the tower... Dr. Light is torturing the Titan's mysterious benefactor until he agrees to use a dimensional transmitter to retrieve Simon from his extra-dimensional exile. In another part of the tower, Raven and Cyborg are strolling down a corridor when Gizmo jumps out and uses a, well, a Gizmo, to shoot Cyborg in the face. Raven heals him up, and the two Titans bond over the ordeal. Hooray! Shimmer is about to ambush Robin when Beast Boy turns into a donkey and kicks her off the stairway she was standing on. Hooray! Starfire and Wonder Girl confront Mammoth, and he kinda kicks their asses. Boo! Gizmo ambushes Beast Boy and Robin, blinding the shapeshifter, and tying the Boy Wonder up and throwing him in a pool. Boo! Cyborg punches Gizmo in the face and knocks a diminutive device divisor the fuck out. Hooray! Starfire fishes Robin out of the briny deep, er, well, chlorinated deep, and uses... And Raven uses her healing powers on him. Hooray! Then Simon shows up and mind blasts all the teen heroes. Boo! Eh, it's been a real roller coaster ride. When the sextet of super teens recover, they find themselves facing the newly reunited Fearsome Five minus one plus one, or I guess just the Fearsome Five. Nope, wait, it's actually the Fearsome Five plus one, because the criminal quartet has taken the Titans' not-so-mysterious building-bequeathing benefactor as a hostage. To the surprise of no one, the shadowy figure who gifted the teens a T-shaped headquarters is Silas Stone, cyborg scientist sire. The two teams appear to be at a bit of a stalemate when, out of nowhere, Wonder Girl lassos Dr. Light and tosses him through a wall. Hooray. Once the stalemate is broken, the Titans make short work of the Fearsome Five. Don and Beast Boy team up to KO Mammoth, Starfire blasts Simon, and Cyborg shocks Shimmer. And I guess Gizmo is still unconscious from earlier? Anyway, hooray. Cyborg yells at his dad and the police cart away the bad guys, which brings us to the issue's epilogue. At Raven's urging, Victor and Silas Stone finally sit down for a heart-to-heart. -heart. Silas tells Vic about Vic's origin story, which I guess he hadn't done before. Okay. Silas and Eleanor Stone were scientists who studied dimensional rifts. They wanted their son Vic to love science, but instead he loved sports, and that was okay with them. They spent a long time working on a big old dimensional rift machine. Once they finished inventing it, 
they decided to celebrate by making out. Only, Eleanor got so into the makeout that she started accidentally mashing buttons on the Dimension computer. Whoops. That nasty giant fart monster from the Titans' first appearance back in DC Presents 26 showed up and ate Eleanor. Then Vic barged in, and the fart monster ate a bunch of his body. Silas was able to use the Dimension computer to send the fart monster back home, but the only way to save Vic's life was to robot him up and turn him into the angry young cyborg we know and love. Oh, and now Silas is dying of radiation poisoning he caught from the fart monster. Damn that fart monster! The Stone Boys hug and apologize to each other. They spend the next two months having a father-son bonding montage, at the end of which a content Silas dies knowing that his son loves him. It's genuinely moving. Oh, uh, did I mention during the fight with the Fearsome Five, Beast Boy turned himself into a jellyfish and jammed himself over a mammoth's head? Uh, Because he did, and it was awesome. And welcome back. Joining us once again after a week hiatus is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how's it going? It's okay. How are you? I'm doing well. Nice to have you back. Nice to be back. So, what'd you think? I thought that this was fun. It was long. It felt really long. It felt like... Roy Thomas long. There were a lot of words, and it also felt like a lot... It had so many different parts and was, in a way, very eventful, but also, in a way, very little seems to have happened. Although, they got, like, three major events that happened, but, like, story-wise, you know? It was also quite action-packed. Sure. Lots of good sound fighting. I mean, fighting with sound effects. Yeah, not, like... I don't know, Cyborg may have used a sonic blast at some point. That's kind of one of his go-tos. Possible. But I don't know. That wasn't what you were talking about, though. No, no, it was a slip of the tongue. So, I think one of the first things that we get to as a major story beat is Wally's gone. Uh, yeah. But, like, the way you said that makes it sound like he's gone gone. Didn't it seem like that to you? Like he was leaving the team? No, it's just like, I gotta go hang out with my parents and talk about things and do some thinking. Oh, I totally read that, that he was leaving the team for at least a little while. You didn't read that as he was leaving the team? Well, just like temporarily, though. I mean, it didn't seem like he was like, I quit, fuck this shit. He was just like... Well, he wasn't angry about it, but I definitely... I gotta go think about some things and be alone. It seemed more like he was quitting the team than it did that when Aqualad was like, I gotta go babysit for my pal in Atlantis for a week. And then he was off the team. It seemed to me, I think this is kind of a major thing. I think Wally has left the team. Oh. At, at least it was written that way. Honestly, I'm kind of embarrassed. Somebody was asking me the other day about something that happens later on in the arc. And I did read all of these comics at one point. I don't remember anything that happened in them. Like, I remember very major story beats. But I think I, like, read the first 42 issues are the ones that I've read. Or, I guess, like, the first 45 I must have read them in some kind of a fugue state, because, mm. like, I, I think I read them all in, like, a weekend. Whoa. As part of, like, I was doing, a like, a binge where I was just reading all of my comic books. I don't remember a goddamn thing that happens. But from this writing, I definitely got the impression that Wally was leaving the team. You didn't get that? No, I just thought he had to go think about some things, and he'd be back once he got his head cleared. Okay. Well, I'm going to actually, let's let's take a look at what the text is on this, because I didn't realize there was room for interpretation of that. Yeah, it's torn in two directions. Okay, I guess you, you're seeing it as a more temporary thing. I, I definitely read that as, like, he's off the team for a bit. We'll yeah. see which way that ends up going. But he's certainly gone for the rest of this issue, and we'll see how many he's going to be gone for. One other thing that happens very early on that I like that there is a callback to later in the issue is when they teleport, Beast Boy's dialogue is getting better. 
Like, his banter, I think, is improving, <laughs> and a lot of it, I was like, all right, I don't hate this guy anymore. Like, maybe I'm just getting used to it more, but I think it's actually being a little bit funnier. And he was just doing some, like, finger-waggling thing and pretending that he's in charge of the teleportation. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that he does that every time they do that. It reminded me you sent me that link of the is it the Korean Doctor Strange oh, yeah. sketch. Yeah. Where the guy goes around and waggles his fingers and then the automatic doors will open. Yep. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of that. And I thought, yeah, good for you, Beast Boy. You're actually pretty funny on this. Yeah, he acquits himself quite well in this issue. Yeah, no, he, he did a good job. I liked when he turned into a jellyfish. We haven't seen him do too much of that like, specific small animal that's, stuff. That's my favorite attack to date that he's done. Turning into a jellyfish and going over somebody's head? Like, the the entire head, though, just like, <laughs> bloop, like, that would be scary as fuck. Even if yeah. you're juggernaut, not juggernaut, if you're... He's pretty much juggernaut. Mammoth. If you're mammoth, yeah, yeah. that's... Uh, uh, can you imagine that? Like, because it's probably stinging you, too, right? It's probably stinging you, and you can't breathe. It's in your nose. Uh, in, I your never want to have jellyfish in my nose and ears. It's in the, basically all of your neck up areas like that's do you think at this point anybody else in the fearsome five is going to be like oh you're getting stung by a jellyfish i'll pee on it <laughs> it's not gonna do any good because the jellyfish is coating all the peeable areas oh i know it wouldn't do any good okay. but i can see gizmo being like all right here's my fucking chance <laughs> trying to help you man yeah sorry Jeez. The Fearsome Five are depicted differently here than they have in the past. Like, it even starts off, even throughout the course of the issue, I feel like their personas kind of change as it goes. It had started off having certainly Shimmer, and for the most part Gizmo, drawn as being kind of sympathetic. Like, they're still villains, but, like, they just want to rob banks and shit. They even say that early on in this issue, and then they get super murdery. Well, Shimmer says that. Gizmo, I feel like from the get-go, is just like, okay, fuck this. I want to blow shit up and kill people. I think he wanted to rob banks, like before. In this issue, though, was it? Was it Not in this issue. It was, in this issue, right. he, he very clearly is just, look, I only trust things that I make because I make things that kill people. Yeah. Like, that logic doesn't hold. So you only trust things that kill people? That's very strange. Yeah. Shimmer specifically in this issue says... I just want to rob banks. And then she is talking not only how she's willing to kill Starfire, but she's looking forward to watching her suffer as she does. And, and she calls her a tramp, which is just like, Yeah, hey. they, they get into it. Yeah, it's it's a weird dynamic with Shimmer where it's just like, oh, does she just have issues with other ladies? Or, or is it specifically a thing of like, oh, you hurt my brother, now I'll get you. Mm-hmm. It's weird, but it's the first time we've seen Shimmer be portrayed as somebody who is at least a little bit bloodthirsty, which was different. Yeah. I also, at the first part of the issue, was like, oh man, I am against my better judgment, starting to kind of like Dr. Light as a bubbling Cobra Commander type guy. Mm-hmm. And then he wants to melt the face off of, he, like when he threatens to torture kill Cyborg's dad, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't like this anymore no it's not he's not a nice no no i mean i knew he wasn't nice but i really like the idea of like i want him to be a cobra commander villain but he's not as likable as cobra commander he is not as likable as cobra commander and that's saying something i hate the little fin on his helmet i kind of like the little fin on his helmet. so stupid it is stupid it reminds me of adam strange and i always really liked that character design but 
I, I overall, I really like his costume. I hate his goatee. I hate his goatee. I hate his goatee so much. I hate his goatee and a stupid little fin, and yeah. they complement each other. I think he looks at himself in the mirror sideways and like and like puts gel in his goatee. To oh, to make it make like more of a yin yang thing with it, the fin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hate Doctor Light. Ugh. I also hate Simon. Like, I hate any kind of mind control villains, although in this one, Simon is definitely the voice of reason within the team, which I feel like maybe we just haven't gotten to know the real Simon. He was Trigon controlled before. There is also a very rapid and very drastic shift in the temperature in the room, if you will, where Simon's like, hey guys, I'm trapped in this dimension. Could you bring me back? And everybody's like, fuck you. You tried to kill us. You're the worst. Oh, okay, sure. We'll bring you back. There's a lot of abrupt about faces in this. I think the most dramatic one is Cyborg's relationship with his dad, which, yes, he is given the impetus of, oh, geez, you're dying. But I also feel like they must have had this, like, not the I'm dying part of the conversation. I feel like the rest of it must have come up at some point. There is so much ambiguity or room for, if you're a, maybe he's just so pissed off that he woke up a cyborg. And like was, yeah. was robbed of his humanity. Sure, and and I can understand that to an extent. He he's suffering from Rom but he, syndrome. He is suffering from Rom syndrome, which is like <laughs> these damn mittens. But oh, and he also like Rom talks like a very very old man. You know what's the other thing in his dialogue that's funny is I know they're trying to make him sound maybe like more like street or something. Yeah, but I don't know of it being a a, a speech pattern to not be able to say the G. On the end of any word? Yeah. That is... I feel like in comic books from time immemorial, that has been shorthand for urban, Mm -hmm. is you put a little apostrophe there. And that'll be if, like, somebody has a Brooklyn accent or if any any black character, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know what you mean. And the instead of maybe, maybe. Mm -hmm. Like, what the hell kind of an accent are you trying to create for this guy? And instead of forget, it's forget. Yeah. <laughs> Makes him sound like old-timey country man. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Maybe that's what they're going for. It could be. It, it would be an interesting <laughs> interpretation. Sadly, I don't think it is the case. It's weird because it's a character that Wolfman created. And so he created the backstory for this character. But, and, and like... It is canonical that his dad is rich as balls. Right. Like, crazy rich. When we see the schematic of the Titan Tower mm-hmm. that this dude bought and built, mm-hmm. it's got a submarine hangar. Yeah. And it's in New York City. Right. And it's on a private island. Yeah. And Cyborg says, like, oh, you think you can solve anything with your science and your money? I guess there's a lot of money in being a theoretical extra-dimensional scientist. But give, having given him that backstory, Wolfman periodically will completely forget that that is the situation that Cyborg grew up in. And will I'm not saying he wouldn't talk, like, like necessarily coming from wealth, you wouldn't necessarily assume street slang. Mm-hmm. But that that is his default. And, like, later on, he, he will say, like, when you grew up rough like me, mm-hmm. like, no, he, he, he didn't. You, you can't just... You created this character. I know you created him black and good call. Mm-hmm. And, and I like that you went against type and made him, like, affluent. But you can't just pick and choose, yeah. like, wh- whether you want him to be just a stereotypical angry young black man who's from the streets and a super rich scientist dude. 
at the very least, he'd be able to uh, code switch, right? To, yeah. Like, you know, be like, okay, I have to speak science words now because they're always having to be like, hey, can you plug your head into that computer? And <laughs> right. Like, okay. Right. Maybe, okay, he, here's a thought. Perhaps he is just fucking with the rest of the Titans and, like, on purpose doing the code switch thing on them, like, against type. Like, he's like, oh, I'm talking with these rich white kids. I'll be, I'll, like, assume my super black identity and just fuck with them. And that's why he has the inexplicable accent is because he doesn't really (laughs) know it. He's making it up and just fucking with them. It's like the the white kid from New Hampshire trying to, like, saw the Eddie Murphy tapes when he was a kid. Yeah. (laughs) Like, trying to tell the jokes the same way. That, That is my new theory with Cyborg, and that is his... His now, so what's nice is with this explanation, his accent doesn't need to make any sense. <laughs> Thank God, he is one hundred percent just fucking with the other Teen Titans. I'm pleased we finally unraveled that and playing with their inherent racism. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, good call, Cyborg. Yeah, nice work. Yeah, you talked about how the Fearsome Five did their total one eighty on getting Simon back, right? And yeah, that never makes any goddamn sense. How much of it do you think is the fact that I already had these fearsome five windbreakers made up? There need to be five of us. I can't afford to remake the windbreakers and take out another ad in the Underworld Star. Oh, spending all my budget. I've got this guy. He's here. I know he tried to murder us all and take over the world and usurp my power, but I'm not made of money and he's right here. He says it wasn't his fault. Right. He was clearly brainwashed. Right. And you can see the thing right through that. I mean, I'm not happy about that thing where he made me think that a dinosaur was eating me. (laughs) That sucked, but, no, let's let bygones be bygones. Right. Simons be Simons. I fucking hate... I don't... Where does the fucking ponytail come from? It doesn't make any sense. We're not going to get to the... We're never going to solve his riddle of ponytail. It's the worst. He's the worst. End of story. Two of the fearsome five are the worst. Yeah. I kind of like the other three in different ways. Mm-hmm. Although Shimmer really threw me for a 180 with, with her. Maybe she didn't like getting her ass kicked by an ass. By an ass? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. I quite enjoyed that. I think Beast Boy acquitted himself far better in this issue than in many past. It, I think in any past. I think this is the best outing of Beast Boy we have had. And I hope it's a sign of things to come because I like this Beast Boy. I am this close to... To calling him changeling like he wants me to. It's that's yeah yeah. I I'm gonna give it two issues if he keeps making progress. I'm gonna start calling him changeling. Another thing that he did that I appreciated was he really showed some self awareness too. Because like after he saves Robin's bacon, Robin's like, "Hey, just one thing." He's like, "Oh, stop making jokes." <laughs> Robin's <laughs> like, "No, thanks." Yeah, but like he's aware. He knows it bugs the shit out of everybody. Right, right. And I like the fact that he, uh, he I, I liked Robin's back and forth with him, where Robin does this the is, Beast Boy joke. That was awesome at the end. That was a really nice touch, and the look on Robin's face as he's doing the ooh. <laughs> And Watch my fingers never leave my hands. And when he makes the uh, pun too, that is so bad it makes Beast Boy slap himself in the face. Like that was uh-huh. oh, that was a delight. And I like that it's a callback too to Robin being like, "No, I was the first sidekick to start making super shitty jokes. Mm-hmm. You don't keep don't teach your grandma to suck eggs, kid. I know this shit. I've never heard that turn of phrase before. Oh, really? Yeah, it's pretty common. The kids <laughs> on the street say it all the time, Corey." It means, it means I... All my cool street friends say it all the time. I'm just trying to unpack the meaning. So it's like, don't 
Um, Look, your grandma is stuff. very good at sucking eggs because she's been doing it for a very long time. You're probably new to the egg sucking game, uh-huh. and it's presumptive of you to attempt to teach her. Oh, I see. Right. So somebody tries to school you on something you're good at. That's the point you're making. Yeah. Okay. I mean, grandmas are the best at egg sucking. It really is a phrase that I've heard before. <laughs> I didn't make it up. I don't want to examine it any further. We spent far too much time on this egg sucking nonsense. Agreed. Although, speaking of eggs. Hmm. So, Beast Boy can turn himself into a jellyfish. Yep. Presumably, when he is a jellyfish, he can sting. Like, I'm wondering how deep his transformations go. Mm-hmm. Say, if he were turn, turn, to turn himself into a platypus, could he lay eggs? Would he have venomous spurs? That's a good question. I mean, I also don't know if he's capable of doing the gender switch within the species. I don't know that either. I don't see why he wouldn't be able to. Because mm. if so, because I think it's only the male platypuses that have the venomous spurs. Mm. No eggs. Yeah, and they wouldn't have eggs, but maybe he could... What's he going to do with an egg, anyway? Make eggnog. That's fucking creepy, though. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to eat any beast you don't eggnog. drink your own eggnog. <laughs> that seems like that is a metaphor. I'm just saying. Yeah. No, that's. I, I think that's a good... I See, I think you've just added a phrase into the pantheon <laughs> of don't want to drink your own eggnog. Nope. Never cut another man's lawn. I, I, you know? <laughs> what? I feel like that's a thing. Is that not an expression? <laughs> what is the, What the fuck would that mean? Um, I think that one's literal. Like, just don't go into somebody's lawn and start mowing it. They're going to be pissed. Maybe not, though. I mean, just like... Free, well, if you do a bad job. Free yard work. Oh. Yeah, it depends. I'm just saying, I think it's a metaphor for it's important to ask for consent. Oh. That's why <laughs> you never oh. mow another man. The very common phrase... You never mow another man's lawn. Okay. It was supposed to say. Mm-hmm. Like that Sonny Terry song, uh, Digging My Potatoes. I don't know that song. It's uh, it's about adultery. Oh. But it's like a really long metaphor that gets extended about... Potatoes? Digging, yeah, digging in potatoes. Patches. Do you know that Clancy Brothers song that starts with, Oh, potato, what sport we had with ye? Was that a... I think that's the one... It's a sad dirge about the Irish potato famine, but I fucking love that song. <laughs> that I, Yeah, you may have shared that with me once or oh, twice. Oh, potato. Oh, yeah. We are getting the tiniest bit off, off topic here, and <clears throat> we do have a lot to talk about. That's true. So, I like that there's a switcheroo right at the beginning from the title of it. The fact that it's called Assault on Titan's Tower makes it seem like it's going to be a siege episode where the Titans are fending off invaders to their tower... But they are, in fact, invaders of the tower, which I thought was a nice switch. The invaders are already in the tower. Mm-hmm. The phone call's coming from inside the house. Yeah, whoa. Yeah, very creepy. And it's a new place, and it's turning on them immediately. I think it might have been a little bit more effective to put that after we were a little bit more familiar with the, the tower itself. And so the timing seems a little bit odd, but I did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. All right, so there is an abrupt switcheroo to where Simon. We've talked about various 180s that happen. Simon is coming across as kind of the good guy after they bring him out of this dimension, which the fact that they brought him out of a dimension makes no goddamn sense. Trigon didn't send him to another dimension, he scattered his atoms across the universe. Which there's no way that that doesn't kill him. I'm that, still angry about that. Um, magic. Sorry. I am looking an angry look at Corey right now. Yeah, you never like it when I bring that up. 
No. You're always bringing it up, too. Every argument we have. Magic. Mm. I'm, I'm saying within the realm of magic, there needs to be some cohesive logic to it. Or it's it's meaningless and gibberish and bad writing. Sometimes the stars are not in alignment, my friend. Oh, well, see, for that spell to work, the stars must have been so, so right. Like, a billion rights. And then they must be so right again when they're in the tower. Nobody even mentioned the stars. So, I call bullshit on it. But then when they do bring him back, he seems to be, like, the least murdery of the five. And it had previously been that he was the most murdery of them. That was Trigon's influence. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't trust Simon. I, I, you don't? No, Corey. <laughs> Weird. Something about the fact that he is a mind-controlling supervillain with a clear dome and a ponytail. No pupils. Or, no. Or sclera. There's a yeah. lot of people who don't have pupils, though. I mean, half the time, Robin doesn't have any pupils. Starfire yeah. doesn't have any pupils. Well, he's got no nothing, though. It's just... Well, like, Starfire, I guess, has no nothing either yeah. in her eyes. Yeah. But those are green. That's a pretty green... Uh, maybe she has no corneas. Like, maybe she has no white part of her eyes. Yeah. Sclera. Sclera? That's what that's called? Mm -hmm. Worst Supreme Court justice ever. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to reel this back in. Yeah, Simon, once he gets back from the other dimension that he was in, I was making air quotes around that to highlight the fact that I think it's bullshit. He's like, well, look, I'm back. That's all we really wanted. We're just going to peace out of here. Sorry to have caused a disturbance. And then out of nowhere, Wonder Girl just cold cocks him. Can't say he didn't have it coming. Yeah. Of the Fearsome Five, he had it coming the least. I mean, I understand oh. tactically why you would want to take him out first. But at this point, it's a detente. And presumably, everybody can just go their separate ways. I mean, I guess fighting criminals is kind of what they do, and they are criminals. Lock them up, man. Lock them up. <laughs> That's what... Yeah. I, I, and the other thing I love about the, the Titan teamwork, like, there's this is such a great teamwork issue, is that there's a whole bunch of, like, uh, Titans are distracting bad guys, and other Titans, like, hiding around the corner, and then bops out and is, like, punching you. <laughs> like, they, they do a nice job with that. It's funny you bring up teamwork, because... I feel like this is the first time where Raven seems like part of the team mm -hmm. when they're doing shit. And I am basing this on this issue and this issue alone. I think between the last issue and this issue, Marv Wolfman started playing Dungeons and Dragons. And it's like, oh shit, clerics can do shit. This is how you use a cleric in a party. Like, they can actually be useful members of a team. Like, that's what Raven is. This is perfect. Oh. And... That is totally how she is used in here, and she's useful, and she heals people up when they get hurt. Mm -hmm. Like, she heals three other titans that are in various stages, and mm -hmm. she works as a counselor, but she stays with the team when they're fighting. She doesn't need to, because she's a pacifist, she doesn't need to leave as soon as the fighting starts, and she's useful. And it totally seems to me as though Marv Wolfman either started playing Dungeons & Dragons or was like, something clicked with him, mm. where he's like, Oh, party needs a cleric. Got it. Yeah. That would be, no, I could I could buy that. I guess this was before the druid class came along because Beast Boy sure does a lot of shape shifting. Fair enough. I don't know what you're talking about because I've like played Dungeons and Dragons once. Ah. And I don't know how it works. It's still fun. It, it was pretty fun the time I played it. You just started recently, right? Yeah, we started up again uh, a few months ago. 
it's a long fucking game, though. Yeah. I don't remember it being that long when I was a kid, which mm-hmm. is weird because my attention span ostensibly is better now. So, before we get into the minutia, there is one thing we have to talk about. The epilogue. Oh, I made a list. Yeah? Yeah. What was your list? It's things to do with dad if you find out he's terminal. I was just about to ask you what your favorite part of the dad montage was. Uh, I don't I don't have the full list. I know, obviously, you're going to carry him around like you're Starfire and he's Robin and jump from building to building. Yeah. You're going to put on your old baseball uniform, make him pitch for you, and hit some dingers. <laughs> yep. Uh, you're going to spend a couple of days fishing, right? Yep. Or... Like, maybe one day in a boat and then a second day fishing? Yep. Like, one day just, like, going for a row around the park, maybe? Boats and birds. Yeah, boats and birds. And then, maybe I do remember them all. They they clearly did make an impression. Mm -hmm. You're gonna, uh, have a picnic nap. Yep. (laughs) Where you bring him a big pillow. Nice big pillow. (laughs) He lies around and you eat picnic food. Maybe look at some cloud animals. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, they were probably totally, like, looking for animals in the clouds. And, And Cyborg's probably thinking, like... Oh, I bet I could get Changeling to turn into some of those. Mm-hmm. Did you hear what just happened? Beast Boy's growing on me. Oh, I just shit. called him Changeling without meaning to. Oh, no. Man. Whoa. And lastly, but not leastly, scrapbooking. Yep. <laughs> I wrote, that's what I wrote down to. <laughs> wow, good memory, sir. Thank you. Yeah. It's yeah. really sweet. It's a really sweet montage. Yep. And then in the middle is just like a big image of them. Are they, they're not holding hands. Like he's got his arm around him mm-hmm. and they're walking and you, you can see that the disease is totally emaciating Silas. He very quickly in mm-hmm. the course of this two months starts wasting away. Very small. But it's a very sweet, it's a very sweet dying dad montage. Yeah. Yeah. The only one you're missing is a uh, deathbed. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. That is. Yeah. That wasn't part of the, the one-page montage. No, it wasn't. That's on the next page. Yeah. Then, yeah, of course he'd take him to his deathbed. Yeah, hold hands and... You didn't watch the movie Deathbed, did you? No, the bed I, that eats no. People? I know I wanted to. Don't take him to it. that. You could maybe watch that movie together, oh. depending on the relationship you have with your sounds dad. Sounds weird, though. It's a weird movie. Yeah, you probably don't want to watch that yeah, movie with no. your dad. Especially if he's about to die. <laughs> <laughs> maybe if you're still pissed that he turned you into a robot secretly. Uh, just one last <laughs> passive-aggressive little jab there. <laughs> then you can make a, a scrapbook of you and your dad watching Deathbed together. Yeah. And present that to him on his deathbed. Oh, I think you'd like that. Probably not, though. <laughs> I don't know. The other thing about the montage that we that we do come up with is, like, pre-montage, but still part of the epilogue, we get the explanation of Cyborg becoming Cyborg. And it happens pretty much the way you would assume it would. Yep. Penis monsters. Penis monsters. Yeah. Th- I thought they were the fart monsters from before. Were they fart monsters? Because they had some penis-looking... Appendages. T- yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, because we talked about the dick punch that yeah. was of a different stripe. Yes, <laughs> it's where it looks like of... a dick is punching him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think those were fart monsters because they're made of methane. Um, okay. So that scene when poor cyborg, pre-cyborg, comes in and, like, his mom's about to die, there's just this giant yeah. pink... Pink mass thing and and he's like mom it's a poor guy yeah let's take a look at that it's a mess <laughs> oh no oh, he's man. dad there is yes there is a giant <laughs> penis coming up from the bottom of the panel and a shocked pre-cyborg Vic Stone just goes dad <laughs> 
oh, that is so weird and creepy, and I can't believe I didn't notice it. <laughs> and then the next panel, he's surrounded by well, the fart Well, the next panel, it's yeah, it's more like bubbles. he's stuck in one of the Harlequin's uh, bubblegum placentas. Ugh. Yeah, it's, ugh. And then you see the making of Cyborg, and he's like, oh, you never told me that. It was like, did he just turn into a cyborg and then just run away screaming and be like, no, 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 not listening. I'm a robot. Yeah. I got these mitten hands. Yeah. It is pretty much what you'd assume. Yeah. A fart penis monster. <laughs> comes the worst Comes monster. in. Yeah. Oh, it's a terrible monster. <laughs> Don't be that for Halloween. Kill, kills his mom, starts to kill him. Uh, Silas sends it back to the dimension it came from. And then that's where we start off with when we first meet the characters. I will say we meet very briefly Cyborg's mom. Find out that she was also a scientist. That she was, in fact, the lab assistant mm-hmm. of Silas. She is a bad lab assistant. You know, I kind of didn't care for that part of the narrative where they basically said, yeah, she's dead because of the dimensional thing, but it's really her fault. Yeah. She put her hand on the keyboard. Well, they're making out in the science lab, and Mm. she just, like, randomly, like, mashes a computer panel that opens up a dimensional rift. Yep, send those x-rays out there, and they just wrote them right back in through the screen. Yeah. That was weird. Of all the places to put your hand... And why would you... That's not good safety protocol. No. No, on either of their part. Yeah. Like, really... Apparently, Silas should have known that he is such a good, passionate kisser that it's going to make his wife just flail wildly around. Yeah. So maybe step away from the computer screen. Yeah, or just, like, control-alt-delete. Like, lock it down. Yeah. Have some kind... Yeah, have some kind of a, like, undo sequence. Like, that's the kind of thing you should... That's a two-key system. Like, you should have to stand on opposite ends of the room and turn the key at the same time. Granted, So it's not all on her. That shouldn't be so easy to activate. But also, don't just mash random computer pads with your fingers. I guess also they had no fucking idea what this thing was capable of. If it was. They should have. They were scientists. Yeah, but they didn't know about the interdimensional fart penis monster. I thought that was what they were looking for, no? They were looking for other dimensions. I think that they were probably aware that most of those other dimensions are filled with fart penis monsters. But maybe they didn't. Are, aren't you? What? Am I Am I sure of that? I mean, aren't you pretty sure that other dimensions are filled with fart penis monsters? Well, I guess after reading this informative New Teen Titans. Right, really and imagine how on. much more he has read than you. He's an extra-dimensional scientist. Yeah, between that and all those H.P. Uh, Lovecraft stories I read as a kid, uh-huh. Where uh-huh. that's a pretty plausible thing. Exactly. Hmm. Yeah, the world is full of fart penis monsters. Let's stick to this dimension. Just waiting to get Thanks. in. Yep. Yeah. Best case scenario, you get a fart penis monster. Otherwise, you get Trigon. Ugh. Or you get those assholes that live in the other dimension that ter- goes from high school to high school, and your evil principal is part of it. Remember that from the early Teen Titans? Oh, jeez, yeah. Yeah, other dimensions are the worst. Or the two-headed brothers. Oh, yeah, the two-headed brothers that are one dude, but then they're three-headed because they're also Barbara Norris. Yeah. Yeah, fuck that. Fuck that guy. Ugh. Yeah, other dimensions are the worst. Yep. What is it if it's xenophobic but just against other dimensions? I don't know. What, I don't either. Call that. I I'm going to say three dimensions are enough. Mm-hmm. I'll accept four, yep. although I'm not crazy about the flow of time. Yeah. I'm going to cut it off there. Four oh. dimensions, no more. Unless oh. you got a buckaroo bonsai. Oh, uh, well, he, his adventures are beyond the fifth dimension. Uh, eighth. Oh, shit. That's too many dimensions. Well, no, just and that's right going to let fucking evil John Lithgow come in. 
and call us monkey boys. I don't want that. John Big Booty. I yeah. love how all the aliens are named John with funny last names in that movie. John's... I, I like that Vincent Scavelli's in it, too. John Smallberries. I, but, <laughs> Buckaroo Banzai aside, no. No no travel through other dimensions, Corey. Okay. No good will come of it. That's fair. One kind of good movie will come from it. But that's not worth the, not worth the trade-off. I'm drawing the line. No extra dimensional travel, Corey. Okay. Corey, I want you to promise. I, I promise no extra dimensional travel. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That is a load off my mind. You ready for the minutia? Sure. All right, let's get on to it. Rick, take it away. One, two, three. We got minutia. It's not the biggest part. It's just minutia. Like Corey eating farts. We got minutia. Time to sweat the small stuff. All right. Thanks, Rick. Yeah, nice job. So, what do you want to start with? You want to change things up and talk about clothes? Start it off with sartorially speaking? Why not? There's a lot to talk about, and for me, it starts with though that Stone family. Starts and ends with it. I actually had the same thing. There's a few things that I want to talk about that they're doing. When Silas Stone first shows up, he is rocking a tight suit. Mm-hmm. He's wearing a three-piece suit that's a three-piece gray suit, but with a blue plaid jacket, mm-hmm. suit jacket. It's a nice fucking look. Yep. I that, really liked that. That was uh, that was one of my two choices. I haven't figured out which one is is. Okay, choice, I but... actually have three. Okay. There's, on the deathbed scene, mm-hmm. Vic, Vic Stone's rocking purple. a pretty nice purple jacket mm-hmm. with a open-collared, like, unbuttoned shirt under it. Yep. It's very disco looking, but, like, it's a, it's a good look for him. Vic has... So many weird different clothes options he can rock, and he generally just goes around naked. Mm-hmm. Like, put some clothes on, buddy. Especially if you're self-conscious about your cyborg body. Like a tracksuit. Yeah, with a hood. his tracksuit that he wears with a hood before. But my favorite one is the giant red turtleneck sweater he wears during the dad montage. With the mom jeans. <laughs> it's just such a weird look. You know, that is so funny. When I read that, I was like, that's goofy. I bet Hub's going to pick that. <laughs> you don't? You, you, don't, you didn't No, that? no. I went with, the, I went with the, the fly attire of both the, the purple suit and the shiny white shirt. Oh, yeah. And then, um, and then um, Stone Sr.'s uh, blue tartan suit. Three-piece, man. That was That's a tight look. I love that Cyborg is just like, you know what? If I'm having a dad day out, I'm rocking the mid-80s mom look. Like, just red turtleneck sweater that covers the bottom of my chin, basically, mm-hmm. and mom jeans. Like, pleated jeans. I think he was just trying to look, like, super normal. Yeah, I think so, too. And I <laughs> love that. This is how super normal people dress, right? Right, right. Yeah, okay. I bet after that he has that look on and goes back to the tower and tries to convince the other Titans, like, no, this is how all of my street homies dress. Continuing. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then has like like Beast Boy being like, Oh, I gotta get some outfits like this. This, mm-hmm. this is how all the cool black people dress. Yeah, Beast Boy totally like has this uh, big brother thing I, that going on, I think. Yeah. Let's get into favorite panels because there is a weird panel involving Beast Boy and Cyborg that I want to talk about. Alright. Neither one of them's quite my favorite, but there are there are two panels <laughs> that really cracked me up. And it's right after it, it's during the middle of the fight but with the Fearsome Five. It's right before the Titans really start rallying and make their big comeback. But Cyborg has just gotten Beast Boy out of the pool 
And they are intertwined in such a weird way. I can't figure out who's carrying who. It's a very strange he's panel. He's just rescued Beast Boy, but then he's kind of like scissoring him in his legs. They also don't show him rescuing Beast Boy. They just jump to they the just say that panel of him like kind of holding Beast Boy over his leg like he's about to give him a spanking. Oh, it's he's they're just intertwined in such a weird way. I'm definitely going to put this panel up on the Facebook and Tumblr page. But the panel right after that is Raven <laughs> saving Robin from drowning or helping him release his own inner power to save himself from drowning after Starfire has done the initial rescuing him from the pool. As she is doing that, in this panel, it really looks like she is straddling a prone Whoa. Robin <laughs> and saying, By Azar, he rises! That... He rises! <laughs> I don't know how I missed that. I didn't catch it the first time through either. It was when I was rereading it, and I was just like, oh my god. That looks really pornographic. It really does. Yeah, so I, I will definitely post pictures of those two panels, but if you are reading along at home, as I know some of you are, it is on page 15. It's really something. Both of those panels. Very strange. Neither of them quite makes it to my favorite panel, which comes down to two for me. Uh, what was your favorite panel? I had three choices. I will narrow it down to two. Okay. One is page eight, and um, I called it Smash em! And it's the, all the Titans... Uh, busting through a giant hole in the wall, super... Super Kool-Aid Man style. Yeah. Yeah. Getting ready to go beat people up. Yeah, that 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 is that is a very nice one. For me, it comes down to two full pages, which I think is kind of cheating, but we've got the Titan Tower schematic, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, the full page Titan Tower schematic on page nine, where it's the cutaway of what every room in the Titan Tower is, and it's appended, and... There's just something so satisfying about looking at it, even though it doesn't make a ton of sense. But yeah, it seems like it's a page right out of like Who's Who in the DCU. Mm -hmm. Like I can see that juxtaposed there. And it shows what every room is. And it's the kind of shit I totally would have geeked out about as a kid. Absolutely. And I think you were saying like it's the kind of stuff you would spend a ton of time trying to draw when oh, you were a Oh kid. yeah, absolutely. It's it's really fun, and it's just, it's a fun headquarters scene to kind of geek out on. Mm -hmm. You can see where their submarine hangar is, and where their storage room is, and where their lobby is, where they keep their generators and blueprints. Which, don't keep your blueprints in the fucking lobby, you dummos. Ugh. Bad security, all around. Yep. My other favorite panel is the dad montage. The, the dying dad montage with them walking in the middle of it with Cyborg in his mom's sweater. It's just... It's just really nice. What was your other favorite? I'm going to pare it down and, and pick on page 18. I call it Cyborg Lurking. <laughs> that is a good one. Yeah. And he's, get, he's getting ready to zap uh, Shimmer Yeah, by electrifying the wall she's trying to turn into Trap. And uh, he just looks <laughs> full of malice, but also like excitement and glee, kind of. I don't know. The fact that you have the, the look of excited, like... <laughs> as what he's doing is just poking a wall with one finger. Mm -hmm. it, it is very nice. And she is, she, she is filled with a look of complete malice and glee and blood crazed kind of. Yep. That's a nice panel. Thanks. And that was your choice. Yeah. I'm going to go with cyborg lurking. Okay. There are so many good choices. The They're artwork really... in this was, was quite nice. I thought. Yeah. 
I mean, we, we can really say that about pretty much any issue that George Perez is involved in. It's gorgeous. And is, I really enjoy having Romeo Tangal back on the inks. I think that is the team that is the best. The level of detail in this is just crazy. Like, it makes me think, like, of amphetamine use or, or something because in order... I don't know if they're on the same timeline, right, for turning out all the stuff and drilling, yeah. like, all the cyborg circuitry and computers and... It's amazingly detailed work. work, yeah. And a ton of dialogue. Like, they're definitely on the same page in terms of this where both Wolfman and Perez are just like, I want to put as much on the page as I can. And there can sometimes seem to be a bit of a struggle between the writer and the artist on that, but for the most part... It works yeah. in, in a way that maybe it seems like it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. All right, favorite sound effect. <laughs> um, I think spam is an obvious choice. The spam is the obvious choice, but there is the second spam. So at one point, I believe it is Wonder Woman getting punched by Mammoth, makes the noise, spam, which is great. Mm-hmm. Even better, though, is when Gizmo zaps Beast Boy in the face with some kind of device that it looks like vaporizes his head, looks but like I a, guess it didn't. Yep, clean off. It makes a noise. Spam! Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how it's supposed to be read, but uh-huh. that's the way that I read it. And I think maybe Perez was hungry as he was drawing that, and he had just written spam, and then, like, inadvertently, like, was just mm-hmm. penciling things and wasn't paying attention, was just like, mmm, spam. Spam! Mm. That's a funnier way to read it than I read it. But, yeah, uh, it's it's good. So it's probably supposed to be spam. Yeah, that exactly. Mm-hmm. Both are pretty good. Yep. I had a, a backup funny one, which coincidentally is Wonder Girl punching Mammoth, and it's as her punch kind of glances off his chest, makes a spatang. Spatang was pretty good. There was a blammo. Classic. Yeah, there, there there, were a lot. There was a crunch with mm-hmm. a K. A lot of good sound effects in this one. To my mind, doesn't get any better than spam. Mm. <laughs> Let's see, what do we have left? Oh my god, I uh, I can't believe we haven't taken it to the Bozone yet. That is true. Yes, sir. And it is particularly apt... That it is the Bozone, because we have double Bozos in this issue. Double Bozos, rare. Yes, so I don't think Bozo is my favorite insult, but let's cover both of the Bozos, because it'd be remiss if we didn't. Mm -hmm. So, first one is on page 16, I believe. Yes, Cyborg, using his best fucking with the other Titans voice, says, Forget. (laughs) Forget him, I tell you. Forget. Forget that dome-headed bozo. <laughs> um, referring, of course, to Simon. Mm-hmm. And then later, Robin is making use of some gymnastic rings that are lying around. I think probably every room in the Titan Tower, in deference to Robin, has gymnastic rings in it. Just in case. Yeah, you never know. But he kicks Dr. Light in the tummy and says... How wrong can you get, Bright Eyes? We Titans aren't down till we're out. And you bozos haven't got a prayer of doing that. Somebody help me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I think that somebody help me is supposed to be Dr. Light, but it's kind of ambiguous. No, I thought that was Robin, too. He's just like, I I said this good line, I kicked him, and then I'm like, oh, shit. What's the rest of my plan? Superpowers, he can control light. Help. You guys. Also... That's awful big talk, considering that that team 
specifically has kicked the shit out of you the two previous times that you've fought. Yep. I think the three previous times you've fought. The only times you have fought, they have beat you. Pretty much. But I do like that line. Now, with those out of your way, what was your favorite insult? I liked it when Cyborg punches Gizmo and picks him up and says, Shorty, you just got done running. That is pretty good. I think my favorite is, it's not specifically an insult, but uh, when Gizmo zaps Beast Boy in the face and says, Hey, Greeny, watch the birdie. And then zaps him in the face and blinds him. I liked that a lot. I also did like, again, not specifically an insult, but that Cyborg calls Robin legs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Calls him short pants a couple of times. He calls times him short too. pants a couple of times, but he also calls him legs. And I really like that nobody in this comic is willing to let go of the fact that, yes, he wears short shorts. And at this point, he is the only Teen Titan wearing short shorts. Yep. With the possible exception of Starfire. But that's part of an overall, like, one-piece thing that she's wearing. I always thought that was a goofy look, even when I was a kid. Like, I was like, why does Robin have that outfit? Like, yeah, they eventually gave him... Like, when, when you get into the later Robins, I don't even think Jason Todd got leggings. I don't think it's until Tim Drake that he gets some tights. But it is a weird look. Mm-hmm. Like, just the scaly green underpants. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're interested in, like, having chainmail, maybe pants? Pants are not bad. Yep. Alright, so, I think that just leaves us with the issues Speedy and the issues Aqualad, is that correct? Do we have show and tell? We did not yet. Ah. I done fucked up, Corey. Uh, oh, what is your shit. favorite show and tell? My favorite show and tell is on page six, okay. when Raven is being horribly attacked by Dr. Light. Uh-huh. And she says, Azar, protect me, I'm being attacked! And then she goes on to describe in detail how she's being attacked. I had a raw, uh... I had a Raven moment as well, although I should point out, too, that there's a pretty good one with Beast Boy when he gets zapped by Gizmo, Mm -hmm. where he says, Ah, my eyes! I can't see! (laughs) It was like when the sand blew in your eyes. (laughs) I remember that. I said almost exactly that, didn't I? You said, Ah, the sand, it hurts my eyes! And then you covered your eyes with both your hands and went, Ah! Maybe I should stop being so hard on Wolfman about that. I laughed and laughed. You did. I, yeah, I do. I felt bad for laughing because you were generally distressed. I do have a weird tendency towards self-narration. And, like, <laughs> it makes me realize that my inner monologue is basically, like, a character from the Hardy Boys. Because <laughs> at one point, I was home alone, realized that I had ordered a package and that it might arrive that day. And I said, oh, that would be a real treat. <laughs> Allowed. The show-and-tell moment from this is also from Raven, and it is when she is trying to heal Cyborg, and it's awful painful for her. But she narrates the whole thing. His pain, it flows through me, into me. Terrible. Almost beyond any pain I've ever absorbed before. Must hold it a moment more. A second more. Now. Now it can be expelled. Will he? Yes. His eyes open. <laughs> Glad we cleared that up. <laughs> yeah. Nice job. Also... Maybe, like myself, you could try having an internal monologue, Raven. Just a thought. Now then. Yes. Every issue of a Teen Titans comic book has an Aqualad, the best of Teen Titans. And every issue also has a Speedy, the worst of Teen Titans. In this issue, Corey, Mm. who was your Speedy? Uh, This was a little bit tough because the teamwork overall was so good. Really, they did all acquit themselves. So um, I, had, well. I had to give it to the guy who wasn't there for most of it, which in this case is, is Wally. Okay. He was just like, I can't deal. I got to go. 
Bye. I had that too, but Which I, I mean, feel it's bad not about really it. his fault. Yeah. Like he he's gonna go figure things out. So I had I, I actually wrote down in my notes, Wally, nah. <laughs> okay. And then after that, I wrote uh, Wonder Girl. She she generally okay. does a pretty good job, but the scene in which things have calmed down and they're at a detente, and then she's like, nah, it's punching time, and she just cold cocks Simon kind of out of nowhere before trying to enter into any kind of negotiations of things. It may have been the right move. It just struck me as an odd choice. I'm shaking my head. I think that I can was see a that. fine decision. Okay. Okay. It, you're right. Overall, I think she did pretty good. And so I was kind of nitpicking. Yeah, Simon's but, usually such a reasonable Yeah, guy. all right. Fuck him. And I guess you do need to take out... They gotta go the, to You gotta take out the telepath first. Wonder Woman also saves Cyborg from accidentally blowing himself up when he's like, Attack the tower! Yeah. Huh? This last Ah, oh, man. See, if it wasn't for the dying dad montage at the end, my choice would actually totally be Cyborg. But I guess I'll go with Wally. It just doesn't seem fair. It doesn't, but... Uh, but, yeah. And I, like I said, I suspect that he is leaving the team. We'll, we'll see how this turns out. All right. Conversely, every issue has its Aqualad. Who is your Aqualad this issue? It feels good to finally pick... Or maybe once before this happened, but I went with Raven. Because she yeah. saved people's lives. I do too. It's it's. I like that Wolfman's learning how to use his cleric. Mm-hmm. Got to have a cleric in the party. Yep. About time. A lot of critical. Series. I had her too. Although it, in a relatively close second, I had Beast Boy because I really did like Beast Boy in this issue, and he does great. I like that he turns into a uh, donkey and kicks Shimmer in the head, uh, and I liked that he. I loved when he turned into a jellyfish, mm-hmm. and his jokes are getting better. He did so, great. Yeah, he did He did great. Like I said, I inadvertently did it once, but I am very close to starting to call him Changeling. I also had a runner-up for similar reasons, and that was Robin. Um, yeah. Because he, he he was extremely effective, this issue. He was the one that KO'd Dr. Light. Sure. And he was fucking hilarious. He, yeah. He, and he was joking around with Beast Boy for once, rather than just being like, shut up, you're stupid. Yeah. That was yeah. cute. And, and I like the idea that as team leader, he just has dad jokes. Mm-hmm. Like, that he just does dad jokes for days. Uh, it, it's it's sweet. I liked Robin a lot in this issue, too. Yep. I, I like... I, it's a good issue. Yep. That sleeping gas put him out like a light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. If and can, slap and groaner. Yeah, if you can but make Beast Boy slap himself. And he knew how bad a joke it was and was just like, yeah, I've been doing this for a while. Yeah. Yeah. You think you got bad jokes, Beast Boy? Don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Making fight. these puns since you were green with envy. <laughs> since before you were green with envy. Oh, does he say that too? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Right after the Dr. Light pun. Robin's fucking killing it with the terrible puns. Yeah. Not bad. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been A Hoot. We will be back next week with the Defenders, where we will see how Valkyrie is fitting in with her new teammates. And we will be back in two weeks with another issue of the Teen Titans, where we'll find out whether Wally has left the team or not. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so at ttwasteland at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, you can find us on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever podcatcher you use, and if you would like to leave us a review on there, that'd be dope. You can also find us on patreon.com backslash ttwasteland, and if you do that and you do become a donor, we've got a couple of donor-only issues up there. We've got one that was a Wonder Girl backup issue, and just this last week I put up the first of three Teen Titans anti-drug issues that came out in 1983. 
is a really fun issue. It was a lot of fun to uh, record. It's a special for our donor, so if you're a donor, definitely go and check that out, and thank you so much for your support. And everybody else, thank you for your non-monetary support. You're great listeners. I love having you as an audience, and this was a lot of fun. Indeed. Don't give me that garbage dick. Goodbye. Bye. And they knew it. Job, Finley. <laughs> it's, 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 it's impeccable. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so at ttwasteland at gmail dot. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so at. <laughs> if you'd like to get in touch with it, <laughs> and then we have a very recent. Oh God, my dog is destroying me. <laughs> And then we have a vi- And then we have a very re- Oh god! <laughs> Finley, stop it! <laughs>